السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم In the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Most gracious, most merciful الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين It is only correct that we commence by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala By sending blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam his entire household, all his companions, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless them. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant them all goodness. Every one of us, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all and grant us every form of goodness. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, imagine for a moment that you've entered an African village. A village that is very rural. A village where there is no water besides from the river that is perhaps five kilometers away. A village where there is no electricity. They use candles. A village where suddenly you notice and you realize a group of children playing. They are playing in shorts and they are playing with stones and they've made markings on the sand and they are jumping and skipping in and out of the boxes that they've made. And you arrive there, subhanallah, in your pajero. Mashallah, you made it. The road was tough to actually get there. It was a very difficult road. It took you a long time. You had to make sure you had a spare tank of fuel in order to get there. And when you got there, that is what you saw. And then you realized that you had a puncture in two tires. So what's going to happen? You only have one spare wheel. And everyone comes the children stop playing, they come to the car, they see you, they're excited, they're very, very happy, delighted. You come out and they're all dancing for you because they're happy that they have a visitor. And you are more worried about your two wheels and how you're going to repair. So there comes a group of slightly older people and you tell them, I need your help. Is that what you will say to begin with? No, you won't say that. You will greet them. You will make them feel important. Why? Wallahi, they are human beings. Wallahi, they are human beings. They have a life far more content than yours. Remember that. They don't have your pajero, nor do they have your mobile phone, which happens to be useless because there's no network. They have nothing, no internet. They haven't even heard of certain pieces of technology that you have. They wouldn't believe that your Note 7 actually opens with your iris. Just before you had to give it back, by the way. <laughs> Subhanallah, it's amazing. And then you see these young children, they don't have proper clothing, like I said. What would come to your mind? I tell you what would come to my mind and I tell you what could, would come to the mind of majority of us because we are human beings too. I'm wearing beautiful clothing and I'm standing here in the middle of nowhere where people don't even have something to cover themselves. So I come and I tell my children, you know what? We've got our bag out there. Take out a pair of clothing, two pairs of clothing perhaps, or if you don't have that, let's find out where exactly these people are so that we can send a little bit of clothing for them. It may be secondhand. Nobody's saying new, right? But you're going to go back. The day you do go back, you have plans in your mind to go back and get some secondhand clothing, fill it in a sack, in a bag, and send it through. Why? Because you're feeling, my children, I spend so much on their clothing and I buy new clothes for them and sometimes even if we have hand-me-downs but it's a good quality and subhanallah these people have nothing let me reach out to them by doing what? 
I'm going to get them some clothes. I'm going to make sure. So, mashallah, you might spend the night there. Wallahi, they will treat you like a king. And they will treat your family like the royal family. They will make sure that they don't sleep in the hut that they sleep in every day. They will make sure the best of it is given to you because you come from somewhere far away. Would you ever do that in your own house? It's a question. Where someone's come, a lot of us would say, let him ring the bell. Go and tell them, I'm not at home. That's what some would say. And trust our children, they'll go and say, my daddy just said I must come out and tell you that I'm not at home. You know, it can happen, right? These people, there was no question. They, they do not have that hypocrisy. They are too innocent for all of that. They are truly excited. You see it in the smile. They are happy. Rural folk. They don't have much. They don't even have much clothing. A watch, they haven't even really seen one, perhaps. I'm talking of the poorest of the poor. And I use Africa as an example because, unfortunately, we have some of the most poor communities on the globe in some parts of Africa. We cannot deny that. And I'm raising this as an issue because I'd like you and I to do something about it. <coughs> so what happens? They will go out and they will get hold of their chickens and sometimes their goats or their sheep or their animals and they will not even think twice to actually prepare that as a meal for you who's come from so far. Prepare it as a meal. So what happens? They will come through and give you a dish. You may or may not eat. Am I right? You may or may not eat. Well, you might become so hungry that you will have to eat. Please, can you watch the thing? We don't want to flip this every little one. So you may or may not eat, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might keep you there for long enough a time that what you have will deplete. If it was me, I would take out all my drinks and soft drinks and whatever else and I would start sharing it with everyone. Because I know as much as I need to prepare for my entire journey, what is more important right now is to share with the rest of these human beings. Remember this. Then what happens? MashaAllah, let me fast forward it. They helped you the following day. You made a plan. You did something and you caught an ox cart going somewhere a few kilometers. And you happened to go there with one of the tires. You went to a service station where you filled a jerry can of fuel. And they happened to repair one of your tires. And then you came back and you, repair, you put it back onto this Pajero of yours. And then you drove away. You drove away. What did you do in that community and society thereafter? You sent them clothes. That's if you didn't forget, right? What will happen? They will thank the Almighty for the day that you passed. And Allah wanted you to pass by and to have a puncture or two in order for you to be able to touch the hearts of people in a way that they will never forget. But what did you actually do for them? Something you, before that day, would have considered negligible. This is something that's minor. And then you start collecting things. I know of a sister somewhere in Canada who started collecting the spare hijabs. You know, a lot of our sisters and mothers, we have 50, 60 scarves at home, different colors and sizes. You know, if you say pink for a woman, she'll say, what do you mean? Because there are 20 shades of pink, not of gray. But at the same time, you need to understand that they have it all. A lot of it they don't use, subhanallah. There was a sister who started collecting leftovers and she sent containers full to Africa, to different parts of Africa in order to share, to give away that which was good but used. People would appreciate and they did. And guess what? You utilized that well beyond your own use of that particular item. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us acceptance. Thereafter, here comes another man. You are sitting in Cape Town and you're telling the story. You know, I visited this place. I got stuck. They treated me like a king. And I did this and that. They didn't even have clothing. So there is a man in your midst who's sitting and listening quietly. When you're done, he researches regarding the place. And he finds out that that place has no school. The children from that place walk 15 kilometers every day to go to school and to come back. And that too, they do it without wearing proper attire. So he decides, I'm going to do something for them. He takes a drive there one of the days. 
Or through you, he may decide to do it because you know the place. You're now connected to it. And he decides, you know what? I'm going to drill a borehole or a well for them. And I'm going to make sure they have water right where they are. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us beneficial rain in this part of the country. We're going through a drought in a lot of the countries, including this one here. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us beneficial rain. Say Amin. Amen. So, the brother decides to drill a borehole. And then he decides to build a school. Subhanallah, not too far away. And then he decides to invest. And after a while, it's the place is blossoming. People are happy. How did it all start? You got stuck. You were stuck in the dunya, not realizing that while you were stuck in this world, Allah was busy preparing for you as a gift, your hereafter. It is a sadaqatun jariyah. It is an act of charity, the reward of which continues well beyond your death, if only but you realized. And you come back to your masjid and you realize, I'm not even here five times a day. Probably the people who are holier, holier means a few more holes, but probably the people who are holier might look at you and they might think this man is not even religious, but no one knows the deed you did. Do you get the point? We become very judgmental of people. We watch a man and we think this man's a drunkard, this man's this, this man's that. Let me tell you, you don't know the current condition of a person who may have been in the nightclubs one week ago. You don't know the condition. My brothers and sisters, if you are affected by a bad habit, quit it and cut it today, here and now. Allah will bless you. Allah will bless you in a billion ways. Your heaven will be made by the mercy of Allah. Quit that bad habit. And the rest of us, well, we all have some form of bad habits. They differ in degree. Work on your bad habit. Sometimes it's the way we talk to those whom we live with. Wallahi, it can be more dangerous than someone who's hooked onto a bottle. May Allah forgive us all and help us all give up the bad habits we have. A statement you utter with your tongue can be more cutting than someone who has a personal bad habit. I explain why. A man is a drunkard. Or a man, for example, is hooked onto something like, say he's an adulterer, something very bad, okay? It's a major sin. It's between him and Allah in a way that when he seeks forgiveness, Allah will have mercy on him and forgive him. It's between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when you have damaged someone with your tongue, it's now between three parties. Yourself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and another human being or a group of human beings. And this is why it is said that when you backbite someone, it can become worse than adultery. I'm sure you've heard of that. It can be worse than adultery because adultery, Allah might forgive you when you say, oh Allah, I've done wrong. May Allah forgive us all for any immoral behavior that we may have engaged in through our lives. Amen. But when it comes to another human being, they are not ghafoor or rahim. They are not most forgiving, most merciful. They may decide, I don't want to forgive this person. May Allah make us from among those who forgive others. But it's your right. Sometimes you might feel that I don't want to forgive them. So what happens? You are in a worse situation than that one. Yet when you came to the masjid or you met someone in the public or you happened to talk about them, you were saying, that one's bad, that one's bad. My brother, three fingers are pointing back at you. Unless you don't know how to point and say, that one's bad, that one's bad. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. So here is something that was started off as a gift. Don't underestimate the goodness that every one of us can do or has already done and is doing. I know of people who don't appear religious at all and I'm not condoning any behavior. I'm talking of the good that they're involved in. Sometimes they've built their paradise well before those who might appear outwardly religious have. It can happen. And like I said, I'm not condoning and I'm not saying that you that it's good not to look a person who's at least faithful to Allah to dress immoral or to in an immoral manner or immodestly, etc. No, but I'm merely giving you an example to tell you, don't judge the people. You don't know. You don't know what they're involved in. Thereafter, what would happen? That young boy you saw as soon as you landed or you stopped at that particular village, suddenly 
He goes to school. He's got clothing. And guess what? Here comes another wealthy man. And he says, I'm, I'm paving the road so that they can have a decent road. For example, you see a person walking without shoes and they're walking five kilometers and you happen to give them a pair of shoes and on top of that they happen to be Adidas or Reebok or something of that nature. And these are the shoes, you know, they call them the Nike Airs. It's the air more than the Nike that I'm talking about. So what happens? They walk cushioned. They're giving you dua. For them, it's a Mercedes Benz. Honestly, they were barefoot. They didn't need a car. They needed shoes. That's all. You gave them the shoes. It's amazing how it changed their lives. It actually changed their life. And now what happened? Thereafter, someone gave them rollerblades. Someone gave them rollerblades. Sorry, there are too many mics on me. I think one is touching the other and making a sound. It's not these two. But it's these, I felt like I was in the White House giving a press conference. <laughs> it's okay, I think we're done. So, someone gave them rollerblades. After a while, guess what? After a while, someone else came and decided to give them a bicycle. Imagine how life is changing. The first person who did the big deed was the one who merely gave shoes. Think about it. Don't underestimate this. It's a little act that can be done by anyone, anyone. And you can build your paradise through that. I always say, if Allah forgave a man because he was compassionate towards a dog by quenching the thirst of a dog, what do you think another human being... Sorry, can we go back to where we were, Habibi? What do you think another human being would actually earn you if you were compassionate towards them? from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do you think you would earn from Allah if you were, had to quench the thirst of another human being if the reward of quenching the thirst of a dog was forgiveness? Wow. Subhanallah. So giving shoes to a human being, thereafter rollerblades to a human being, maybe perhaps a bicycle. What happened? Amazing. Amazing. And after the bicycle, they now started going to school riding. Imagine going to a village and you see that subhanAllah, I visited here five years ago. They didn't have shoes. They didn't have clothing. Today, mashallah, they've got clothing. They've got shoes. They've got little bicycles they ride with. And the school is nearby. They've got water and so on and so forth. And guess what? I helped towards it. Maybe I wasn't a rich man. I started off just by giving them old clothes. But someone else saw and I spoke to another person and a third and a fourth and guess what? It helped and it opened the doors for all of them. One by one, everyone started helping and that program was duplicated in another village and a third and a fourth. Do you know what the hadith says? مَنْ سَنَّ سُنَّةً حَسَنَةً فَلَهُ أَجْرُهَا وَأَجْرُ مَنْ عَمِلَ بِهَا إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ Whoever sets a good example will have a reward for that example. And a full reward for anyone who followed that example thereafter, right up to the day of judgment. You started the trend. And you get a reward for anyone who's learned from your model. It was a good deed. A beautiful deed. What happened? The best of people are those who are most beneficial to the rest of the people. Ask yourself, how have I benefited those whom I live with to start with? We make a mistake, my brothers and sisters. We think the best Muslim is he who is stuck up and calls the rest of the Muslims kafir. That's how the attitude is today across the globe. Change that. Change that. Don't become big-headed. It's a sign that the devil has got hold of you. Remember that. When you're pious, there comes a stage when you think I'm the Mahdi that everyone's waiting for. Be careful. That's when you... Allow your head to swell. There comes a stage when you might even declare prophethood like some of the mad people have done. There was an old man. He used to say he was the most pious in the community. When the rain came, he said it came because of me. I wonder what he would say now that there's a drought. <laughs> Thereafter, what happened? He's sitting in the masjid. One day in the morning, the people decided to play a prank on him. So they sealed his eyes from the back and they said, Hey, hey who's this? Jibreel. Jibreel? Yes, we've come. For what? 
to take you to Miraj. He says, okay, let's go. They got him up, blindfolded, walking out. They had a donkey waiting outside there. They put him the other way on the donkey and they got him walking around, you know, the, the donkey throughout the night. And he's busy thinking, I mean, first heaven, second heaven, third heaven, and so on. When the sun rose and the people saw him, mad man, they started shouting, screaming, mad, so on. He took out his blinds and he saw, what's going on? They said, what happened? He said, I went up for Mi'raj. They said, he's really cuckoos. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. The point is, remember, prophethood is sealed. Prophethood is sealed. There are no more prophets to come. Khatamun nabiyyina la nabiyya ba'di. The Prophet ﷺ, the last of Anbiya, he says, there is no nabi after me. The point I'm raising is, my brothers and sisters, he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Prophet ﷺ says, the best from amongst you are those who are most beneficial to the rest of you. Ask yourself, how beneficial am I to the rest of us? If he taught us how to be beneficial to dogs and cats, one might say a dog is a dirty animal. I, checked, I, I actually was checking online yesterday about dogs, just yesterday. And I saw a video of how the bacteria from the dogs, how it can actually cause skin diseases and so much of harm that can be caused. And I said, Subhanallah, Rabbil Alameen. Look at how Muhammad says, you wash it seven times or you wash it in a specific way. And people want to still argue with the messenger, peace be upon him. Who created the dog? Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah knows what is best for you and I. So learn to follow the rules. You call yourself a Muslim, it means I'm a submitter. I will follow those rules. But bearing in mind that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught us this compassion towards those animals that are not even halal to consume. You cannot eat a cat, you cannot eat a dog, but still compassion towards these animals. What about compassion to the animals you're allowed to eat? What about compassion to other human beings who may not be Muslim? What about compassion to other Muslims? What about compassion to members of your own community? What about compassion to your family, your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your uncles and aunts? And I didn't miss out your in-laws. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. May Allah grant us ease. Compassion. You need to understand the Prophet ﷺ has already issued the statement. The best from amongst you are those who are best to the others. In another narration, included in this one, the best from amongst you are those who are best to your family members. Why does he say that? Because it's included in the people and these are people you see every day. That's what it is. And when they are bad to you, it doesn't mean you must be bad to them. When the dog barks, the dog is barking. But you don't have to say woof woof back at the same dog because you're not a dog. So when people swear you, you don't have to swear back because you're not a vulgar person. You need to understand. I must do my bit. What is my bit? I need to rise to the occasion. And subhanallah, I need to, you know, smile back or say something beautiful, respectable. If it's a child or if it's someone, I might want to guide them. I might want to say a good word. But I don't need to swear back because that's not a good Muslim. Remember that. I don't need to retaliate and react if that action was wrong in the same way. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us ease. Let's get back to our village, mashallah. It's now transforming. And it's becoming a what? It is becoming a town. I tell you why. Because now that people know there's a school there, and people know there's water there, and people know, mashallah, it's okay. You know, the infrastructure is developing. More and more people begin to flock. And what happens? Now you have a little shop there, subhanallah, a little market, a tuck shop and something else. And you're perhaps selling and buying a few things. Maybe not you, but at least you've given someone the idea or one of the members of the community. And in a few years time, trust me, those who have children, may Allah bless you with the best of children. And those who don't have children, may Allah bless you too with the best of children. Say, Amin. But I tell you, you would confirm if your child is 15 years old, 16 years old, and they're as tall as you are, or even taller, you would say, they were born just yesterday. 15 years, 2001. My own son, one of my children, 2001. He's taller than me, subhanallah. I got to look at him and think twice before I correct him, because I don't know what's going to come in my direction. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us, guide us. I recall a few years back, 
When I was delivering a talk at the Gatesville Masjid, Masjid Al-Quds, and he was playing on the mimbar behind me, the 21st or 22nd day of jewels of the Quran, you'll notice that young boy. Today he's taller than me, he's big, he's got a beard, he plays rugby, subhanallah. I've got to look at him and tell him, yes, Sonny Bill, how's it? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Allah grant us ease. Time passes so quick. Those children whom you helped in the village, no time. What happened? The young man became a doctor. Wow, he went to school, he was educated. He came back, his life changed. And he invested back in his own community. The community changed. So many people became lawyers, doctors, accountants, and so on and so forth. Perhaps a few ulama as well. Some people who studied the deen. Not everyone's going to study the deen. When I say that, I mean specialize in it. Everyone knows. You have to know something. You have to know your faith and your religion. That means you have to know enough that is completely necessary for you as a Muslim. I need to know the five pillars. I need to know salah. I need to know the basics. Beyond the basics, I don't need to know intricate details of tafsir and intricate details of all other disciplines and all other subjects and topics. If I want, I can ask. And sometimes I really don't need to know beyond a certain point. I haven't specialized in it, but whatever I need to know, I will learn inshallah. May Allah make it easy for us to be the best of Muslims. So here comes a beautiful community. And 10, 15 years after you had first arrived there. And what do they do? Whenever you go back, you are like a kingpin. Subhanallah. You are like a person who is at the top. You are a person whom they really, really appreciate. And you try to tell them, listen, it's not me. It's not me. It's actually the entire community. It's Allah. Allah's favor. Allah has favored us. Allah actually made me such that I stopped in the village. Had it not been for me having had a flat, for example, tire, I wouldn't have even stopped here. Subhanallah, things changed. But I tell you something interesting. The one who brought the shoes succeeded. The one who brought the rollerblades succeeded. The one who brought the moped succeeded. The one who brought the bicycles succeeded. The one who put up the road or paved it succeeded. The one who put the borehole succeeded. The one who actually built a school succeeded. The one who developed it succeeded. Different people do it on different levels depending on their capacity, availability, and at the same time, Perhaps financial, as well as the time, as well as whatever else they may be doing, someone might not contribute to your project because they're involved in another 10 projects that you may not know about. Don't become upset. They're doing good work. Support them. Make dua for them. The problem with us, if people don't do what we're doing or don't support what we are actually involved in, then they are nothing. They are nothing. Don't look at it that way. They are something. They are very important. Perhaps their money is being used elsewhere. Sometimes you go to a rich man and he might tell you, you know what, I really, um, I would love to help you, but at the moment, you know, I'm committed. And you look and you say, yeah, yeah, we know those answers, we know them. Salam alaikum, and you walk away. How do you know? He might really be committed. <laughs> I hope he is, but actually, he might really be committed. And sometimes, my beloved brothers and sisters, now is, I'm going to give you the shocker. Allah doesn't want his money. So he's not convinced by what you're saying. Allah does not want that cash, that money in the good work you're doing. Perhaps for some reason. Maybe he didn't earn it properly. And we don't have to now go and say, yeah, yeah, your money is haram anyway. Well, why did you go to him in the first place, isn't it? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. We've got to have this good, leave it to Allah, good perception of everyone. We need to learn to respect one another. You do your bit. That's what you need to do. Ask yourself, how was I involved? Did I give the shoes? Did I give the clothes? Did I give the bicycle? Did I give the rollerblades? Did I build the road? Did I contribute towards the school? Did I build the masjid? What did I do? Did you do anything? If the answer is yes, good news to you. You are building your paradise. But you've got to do your bit. That's what it is. The problem with a lot of us, we've done nothing. We sit on the sidelines. And we pretend like we're watching a football match. Remember this. Life is not like a football match. Not in this way. Yes, in terms of time, each one of us comes with our own 90 minutes. And Allah wants you to score as many goals as you can. In that way or in that aspect, yes, we might say slightly like that. Certain extent. But a lot of the times we're just sitting. The grandstand. 
the VIP tickets and so on and so forth. And we're just watching and cheering, but we haven't actually even kicked the ball. We haven't done anything. So what did you do for man? Now it's supposed to be disunited. But anyway, let's still give it to them. Man united to win. You did nothing. You were sitting behind your TV and what did you do? You were just yelling and screaming and that's it. Hey, keep quiet, keep quiet guys. The goal, the goal. And the goal didn't come. And when the goal came, that was it. And when it didn't come, you couldn't sleep. You were depressed. You had to have pills. That's how deeply involved you were. Subhanallah, I promise you it's happening. What did you do? Zero. Nothing. You did not contribute to the match in any way. In Islam, ask yourself, how did I contribute? Did I give something? You might not be able to afford to put up a masjid. But trust me, when you give a dollar or two, 10 rands, 50 rands, even maybe a rand or two, we have hope in the mercy of Allah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless us in a way that He will build an entire house for us in the akhirah. I tell you why. You gave a brick to the masjid. Do you really think that the Almighty is just going to come and give you one brick in the hereafter? No, no, no way. If that is what you could manage and that was sincerely done for the sake of Allah, the hadith says, Whoever for the sake of Allah builds a masjid, Allah will build for them a house in the hereafter. Sometimes we can't do it alone. That doesn't doom us. Contribute towards it. Help in some way. Make dua. Oh Allah, I couldn't do this. But Ya Allah, make it easy for them. Let it be good. And so on and so forth. You contribute in some way. There are people, every time something happens in the masjid, they're involved. They want to sort the problem out. You notice the sound. Nothing went wrong. Nothing went wrong with the sound. But there was a squeak. Immediately a brother got up. Why? It's a concern. He's worried. He wants to see a solution. He doesn't want us to continue for an hour having a problem every few seconds. What do we do for such a brother? Make dua for him. Make dua for the others. That's what it is. But the question is, have you made dua for them? The answer is no, man. So what do you expect? You haven't paid the man. You haven't. You haven't contributed towards the masjid. If each one of us had to pay one rand for every salah that we read in a masjid just for the musalla that we used, trust me, the imams would be better paid than the top-notch neurosurgeons in the country. That's if the committee actually didn't eat the money. But they wouldn't. Trust me, they wouldn't. I see a few trustees sitting here. I don't mean any ill. MashaAllah. Tabarakallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. But Allah says, make dua for them. How many of us have raised our hands and done our bit by raising, by saying, oh Allah, bless the imams. No, we forget to say that. A lot of us have never done that in our lives. Rather, we'll complain, ya Allah, this imam, give him diarrhea so that he can finish the salat. <laughs> I remember when I was young, 14 years old. And I led Taraweeh for the first time. And there was an uncle that I still know who he is. His name has gone down in history because too bad I had a good memory at the time. He says, did you eat beans? I was so innocent I didn't even know what he meant. I was leading the Taraweeh and you know I don't like to pace it up because I fear Allah. You know we're only going to be able to read the way we read in the dunya. So when you zoom through it, you know I wouldn't like to be coming on the... Day of Qiyamah and I know I can read well but I won't be able to because I can only read the way I used to read in the dunya and then suddenly all the people will be watching or whatever. I don't know exactly what condition it's going to be but I won't be able to read because I was worried about the same people in, in the dunya, in the life. So I'd rather read a little bit more melodiously to say, inshallah on the day of judgment I'll be able to also read in a way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be so happy that we read His word properly. So what happened? Did you eat beans? Did you have beans? And I said, no. He said, I thought you did because you read quite fast today. Innocently, I said, I might have some tomorrow. <laughs> and I didn't have a clue what he was hinting at. He thought I had a belly problem. So I was busy. No way, not at all. That wasn't the case. But remember, Remember, we only complain when the imam says something or does something or he's a little bit late or he's a little bit early and so on and so forth. But we've never made dua or a lot of us, myself included, we are guilty of not making dua for the imams of the masjid and for the committee members. Do you know how difficult it is to be a trustee or a committee member? You get flack from all five corners. 
May Allah forgive us. You might wonder which is the fifth. It's somewhere in Cape Town. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, don't do that. Do your bit. Make dua. Contribute. Many of us use water here. When you've used the water at the masjid, put one rand in the box. One rand. At least it'll help them pay their bills. But we use the facility entitled. And we go back. The lights have been used. The air condition has been used. Hey, it's hot in the masjid. Why doesn't someone put on the aircon? Who's going to pay? No one tells you that. No one asks you. But you've got to think. It's not free. Did you put in any money? No, you didn't. So then did you make a dua? No, you didn't. Then you have no excuse. If you didn't have the money, and I'm sure, you know what? If Spur had a special, you would actually go there and spend your money. Right? See the nodding of the heads. <laughs> Mashallah. But at the same time, You'll say, no, I don't have money to give the masjid. But what did you do? Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the goodness of our wealth. I'm not saying don't purchase a meal. But I'm saying small percentage, do your bit. Give something. Drop it in the box. No one needs to know that you did it, male or female. No one needs to know. Drop a rand in the box. Your change. When you come from your motor vehicle, I know you might be keeping it in the tray. Perhaps you want to give someone here and put a little bit into the masjid also. Donate to the madrasa. Do your bit. Give to someone perhaps humanitarian. I got a message today speaking about Syria, Halab, Aleppo. How cold it is and how they need blankets urgently. And subhanallah, if there is a reliable humanitarian organization doing that relief work, Donate something to them, even if it's a droplet. You did something, do your bit. Don't underestimate it. That could be the old clothes for a little child in the village. That could be the shoes. Like I said, the Rolls Royce for that child. Imagine someone who didn't have shoes. They've got blisters and everything. Suddenly you've given them a pair of your old shoes. For them, it's like Jannah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the comfort in the dunya and the akhirah. You create comfort for someone, Allah will create comfort for you. You were considerate about someone else, Allah will create for you the goodness and the ease in this world and in the akhirah. Remember that. So you've got to do your bit for everything. Don't underestimate the smallest of deeds. Smallest of deeds. In the same way, my beloved brothers and sisters, and now here the topic takes a turn. We spoke about material items. We spoke about how you ended up in a village. We spoke about how you reached out to them, how you did good to them. Let me speak about religious contribution. Every one of us, we believe we are good people, don't we? We believe we are decent. We believe we are trying. Even those who know the sins that they've committed and they know they have a weakness, they may have an addiction. May Allah guide us all. May Allah make it easy for you to quit your bad habit. Even those who know that, but deep down, they know Allah is yours. Allah is your maker. Allah loves you. Allah is waiting for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves you so much that He will constantly give you reminders from different angles, from different places and people and different types of reminders. Sometimes it's in the form of something that just happened in your life and suddenly you took a turn for the better. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us. May Allah make it easy for us. Things will happen in your life that make you turn. But every one of us believes we have some decency. We have some goodness in us. So don't ever let the devil make you think you're a write-off. Don't ever let the devil make you think that you're gone a little bit beyond the limit. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for as long as you're breathing, you're still within the limits. You are still within the limits. It's still not too late to turn back to Allah. No matter what has happened, no matter what you've done, turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how do we turn? Let me give you an example. You've heard the example of the materialistic change in people's lives. Now listen. Say there's a young man in a nightclub, drinking, womanizing, on drugs, doing everything wrong in the book. And suddenly, as he's walking out, and he's drunk, and he's like struggling to walk, and you see him, what happens? A lot of people would not do their bit. 
They would actually just say, serves him right. Let him die. Or they would say, whose son is that? Let me quickly put it on Instagram. Show the world. Let me put it on Facebook. Let me send a message out on WhatsApp to tell the whole world what's going on. That's not doing your bit. You're compounding the problem. You witnessed something sinful, a sin that was committed by someone else. Wallahi, it is a bigger sin to go out and spread that. Remember that. Because now you are adding salt to injury and you are making it worse. As a person who's concerned, you do your bit. Wallahi, the first thing that is your duty is to make a dua to Allah regarding two things. Oh Allah, help him, guide him, bring him to the right path. Number one. Number two, oh Allah, protect me, help me and my offspring or whoever else is loved to you, etc. Or protect us from something similar and grant us protection from our own bad habits. Those are the two things you owe. Dua for him, dua for yourself. If you're a mu'min and a true believer, that's your first way of reacting. Did you ever do that? Did you do your bit? We see a sin, wallahi, we, we don't think this way. Why? Just because that spirituality and religiosity or religiousness from us is actually diminished. We have taken religion as a faith that only gauges you by how close you are to the front when the salah is starting. Or how tight, or should I say, how well you are covered perhaps if you're a female. That's it. Wallahi, as much as it is important to be in the first saf or to be in the masjid for salah or to dress appropriately, it is also absolutely important to have the correct attitude towards the rest of us. Remember that. Have a genuine feeling. When I see you, there must be love in my eyes. There must be a feeling. You are my brother. Imagine the non-Muslims at the time of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When he saw them, what was his concern? What was his concern? His concern was, how can I get the goodness to these people? Allahu Akbar. Is that our concern today? You see someone astray. He's astray. Don't sit with him. Don't mix with him. Don't even go there. Don't even talk. Don't even... Why? Where did you learn that from? We don't know that. We know that if someone is astray and you see that they're astray, try and help them. Help them. Make dua for them. What did I tell you at the beginning? If you don't have money, at least make dua. Beyond that, there is no excuse. In this particular instance where we're talking of spiritual or religious help, if you don't have the expertise, make a dua. Start off by making the dua. It is more valuable than anything else you can give. Because when you make dua for a third party without them knowing, it is called a da'wah li'akhika fi dhahril ghayb. To make dua for your brother without him knowing. He doesn't know. You prayed for him. You have a problem. You know we have enmity sometimes among people because a business deal went sour. A divorce happened. We broke up for some strange reason. Perhaps he parked his car in the parking place. Big deal. Big deal. What you do, instead of breaking relation, make dua for them. Oh Allah, guide them. Oh Allah, soften his heart. Keep on repeating that dua. A day will come when the heart will be softened. Even if it means 10 years later. We are impatient. So that's why we don't see results. Have a genuine feeling. Thereafter, you might want to go to the young man. You might want to help him home. You might want to carry him. You might want to bring him into your view. You may want to do that. You may not want to do it. But you started off on the right footing. You made a dua for him. So what happens? I hate the deed. I dislike what he's done. But him, I have hope. I have hope. I tell you, I've known so many people who've had a bad past. And today, they are successful and they are closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than they were just because someone gave them spiritual shoes. That's all. Go back to my example at the beginning. Think of the shoes. In this case, spiritual shoes. He's barefoot. That's what he is. He doesn't have clothing. That's what he is in a spiritual way. He's not covered spiritually. All you did is you offered him secondhand clothing. 
But it was worth covering him. He appreciated the fact that you greeted him and you kept it a secret. I remember, wallahi, one day I entered a supermarket and I know an elderly man who had a bottle of alcohol. And as soon as he saw me, he put it behind and he was, he was at the till and he didn't know how to pretend like the bottle wasn't his when he put it to pay. In order to help him, I actually turned around for a moment. And I knew that this man knows that I saw what happened. But a little while later, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm turning around. I hope I haven't encouraged him in any way. So let me turn back and look at him. So I turned back, I looked at him and I said, uncle, how's things? How's your family? How's... And I know this man. And he was so embarrassed with what he did. In the meantime, those were the days when you used to have brown packets. I don't know if you remember those brown. Nowadays, you get them at some fish and chips places maybe. So he had put it in there and he's holding it. He says, hey, you know where I live? They drink a lot, man. So they were telling me to get this. I said, no, uncle, you know what? No excuses needed. Inshallah, I pray to Allah that one day you will quit this habit. And I tell you something, uncle, I'm not going to announce it to the whole world. He was shocked. Wallahi, he was shocked. For me, that was me giving him the shoes to tell him, you're a barefoot uncle. You've bared yourself. I've seen your weakness. Weakness meaning you're not clothed. I've seen what happened here. I'm just going to offer you clothing. Cover yourself, man. Don't worry. I'm not going to announce to the world that your navel is two inches higher than everybody else's. You know? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. So, this was the thing. I promise you, this man, a few years later, Allahu Akbar, he met me at the masjid. And I was standing... And Jumu'ah Salah, he was standing on one of the, he was sitting, listening to the lecture on the side. He came after Jumu'ah and his face was glowing. It was glowing, literally glowing. He told me, Mufti. I said, yes. He says, I quit the habit. Hey, and he gave me a tight hug. And I could tell that the man was genuine. This was some time later. <coughs> and we became very good friends. So much so, that when he passed away, he had asked me to lead the janazah. Before he passed away, he had already said it. This man. And on his deathbed, I went to see him. And you know what he told me? He says, this was in the hospital. He was crying. He tells me, I have harmed so many people in this community. I want to seek forgiveness from the entire community. I don't know how to do it. I told him, uncle, leave it to me. It's a matter of a bulk SMS. Those were the days we didn't really have this internet and all that as much as we do today. It's a matter of a bulk SMS. I got the people who had the data of the entire community because they give funeral notices and all the other notices. And I explained to them that, look, this is what has happened. We sent a message to the whole community at the time. So-and-so is not well. He's ill in the hospital. He has said that he's seeking forgiveness from every single member of the community. Please forgive him. Make dua for him. A few days later, he passed away. His janazah was attended by a maximum number of people. But sometime before, he had a bottle in his hand. Tell me, I remembered the hadith of Rasulullah where he says that there can be a person who does bad deeds for many, many years and then at the end they do a good deed and Allah gives them Jannah. And another who does good deeds for many years and at the end they end it on a bad note and perhaps they might go elsewhere. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Don't underestimate. Do your bit. Reach out to everyone. Reach out to the creatures of Allah. I promise you, my brothers, my sisters, we who are Muslimin are the ambassadors of Islam. When we meet non-Muslims, non-Muslims, those who don't share our faith, they don't even have half the shahada. We are supposed to treat them with such respect that they feel that this faith is actually the true faith. We have a gift of Allah. The way we carry on in our lives, we cheat in business, we swear, we are vulgar. When it comes to traffic, we want to cut through the traffic here and there. People see a kufia. You know, they see this. Yeah, there's a Muslim again, man. 
Sorry, no offense to the brothers who drove me here. <laughs> but at the same time, the point being raised is, we need to be courteous on the roads even more than everybody else. Because you're an ambassador. Come on, you know. I mean, you come out there, you've just knocked somebody's vehicle because you are on your phone and they ask you, what's your name, sir? Muhammad. What an insult to Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the messenger. What an insult. On that occasion, maybe you should just say Mo. May Allah bless us all. So these are simple things, but we're not doing our bit. We have to. We go to work, those who work with us or for us or whom we work for. Wallahi, we're vulgar. We don't even have time for them. We greet everybody in such a rough way. If we even greet, greet them, respect them. These are human beings. You need to remember the Prophet ﷺ looked at the non-Muslims and the enemies of Islam, he made dua for them. Evidence of it is the dua, Allahumma a'izz al-Islam bi ahad al-umarain. Oh Allah, I ask you to strengthen Islam by the acceptance of Islam of one of these two enemies. Who are they? Either Amr ibn Hisham, whose name was Abu Jahl, or Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiyallahu whom everybody feared. That was a dua against people who were very anti-Muslim. How many of us have made dua for those who are anti-Muslim? There's the Prophet ﷺ. He was worried, he was concerned. When the kuffar of Quraysh used to look in his direction, he used to want to answer their questions. He used to go to them and say, is there any question I can answer? When they wanted to ask something, he wanted to answer them. Because he was haris. He wanted desperately to see them come through. Because that was his investment. The hadith says, the best investment you can ever make is to help someone in a way that Allah guides them through you. Even if it's a, a shoe, the shoe I'm talking about, guided them slightly. You might not be a big sheikh who really knows a lot about the deen. Your character said it all. You spoke well. The person started wearing shoes. After that, someone else came in and paved the road. And after that, another person came in and put a spiritual school. And then they came to the masjid and they declared their shahada. Not realizing the beginning was you. You're going to get a reward for it. You're going to get a reward for it. Wallahi la an yahdi Allahu bika rajulan wahidan. Khairun laka min humurin na'am. Today we see groups on the globe becoming so violent that anyone they see who breathes in a different way than them, they want to kill them. And they say, that's the sunnah. Whereas on the occasion of Khaybar, the war was going on. And the Prophet sends Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu to conquer within the walls of Khaybar. And the Prophet says, Wallahi, O Ali. That was a war. The war was going on. He says, Wallahi, you're going, but I want to tell you something very important. Remember, you're going in. If Allah uses you to guide one person, it's better for you than the most valuable conveyance on earth. The red camel at the time. That was a war. Are you picturing what I've just said? It's a war zone. And the prophet is saying, did he say, go and kill everybody. See them, whoever breathes in a different way, kill them. Is that what he said? Never. He said, it's a war indeed, but try to guide them. And if they are guided, Allah will give you something better than what this whole world has to offer you. Do your bit, in other words. Subhanallah. We are not living in a war zone, but we are still not reaching out to the people. We haven't done our bit. Now to do your bit, and for me to do my bit, I need to become a better person. I need to get closer to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the sign of closeness to Allah is a compassionate feeling towards the other creatures of the same Allah. That's a sign that you're really close to Allah. When someone is not compassionate towards the other creatures of the same maker, they're not close to Allah. They might be partially thinking that they're close, but they haven't really understood. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us. So yes, you worship Allah alone. Yes, you will learn as much as you can. And yes, you will adopt and you will practice upon the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu But you will make sure you do your bit. Allah gives us 
millions of opportunities every day. Literally millions. From the moment you get up, you see your spouse, you see your child. Those of us who have little children who cry at night. How do you react? How do you react? Do you show your bad habits and qualities? Or do you discipline yourself? The child cried all night. What did you do? Did you say, oh my darling wife, you go to sleep. I'm going to the other room with the child. You see, only the sisters understood what I said. <laughs> Subhanallah. I think you didn't understand. You didn't really see that coming, did you? <laughs> I'm going to the other room with the child. Subhanallah. And if you do that one day so beautifully, you know what Allah is going to do? It's going to happen the very next day. Subhanallah. Why? To see. Were you just putting up a show or is it real here? Have you, is that really your quality? But the men, you know what excuse they have? I've got to go to work tomorrow, 8 o'clock. <laughs> Subhanallah. You're lucky you don't have a wife saying, well, take the child and go. <laughs> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us. I think you've got the gist of what I'm trying to say. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. Brothers and sisters, there is too much hate on earth at the moment. Too much. We need to start resolving the matters we have. We need to start bringing hearts together. You and I will never think exactly the same because you do not think exactly the same as your own father and your own son. Who am I? I'm far off. I'm distant. I'm not going to think. Your beloved wife, whom you really died to marry. What that means is, you know, well, if you didn't die to marry, then you died after marriage. <laughs> Your beloved wife, whom you dearly love, you have differences. Do you know, when you go to some place, she might order something totally different from you. Totally. But guess what? You still keep on saying, I love you. Even if you don't. <laughs> Sorry, that was just on a lighter note. You know, it's my habit. I don't really mean that. But anyway, what I mean is, I love you. And you might say it with Tajweed as well. I'm sure you know how to say it with Tajweed. <laughs> Unless you want me to give you a Tajweed lesson, a quick one. But why? There are so many differences you have between yourself. You, you don't get along. You want to resolve. You want to make... You know when people say, Hey, Dad, you know what? I can't get along with my wife. The whole dunya, the whole world comes together to say, Hang on. Make it work. Let it happen. Solve your problems. Sit back. How many of us have had issues with someone, whether it's a spouse or a family member, and because we sat down, we've now become closer than we ever were before. We forgave each other for a thing or two that has happened. Sometimes big things that have happened. And we forgave each other. We live together. We now have a much better relationship, closer than we ever were before. That is the gift of you having forgiven someone. When you forgive them, Allah gives you a gift. What's the gift? Allah says, hang on, you did such a noble deed here, which is very difficult, even though all your friends were telling you, fix him, teach him, get out, get lost, break it, that's it, divorce, one more, etc., whatever else they were saying. But you said, no, I'm going to forgive him, and I'm going to live in him. And Allah says, as a result, we'll replace you with happiness more than all those who advised you otherwise. I promise you it has happened. Many of us here probably are evidence for that. I wouldn't ask you to raise your hands and tell me, but it's evidence. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. It's a reward of forgiving. When you forgive others, Allah says, I will reward you for it. Do you know why? Because you are now showing a quality that Allah has a far higher level of than yours. I forgave. Allah says, hang on, I can forgive in an even greater way. Something's even bigger than what you've just forgiven. And I'm going to show you my mercy at the same time. It can happen. It has happened. But do your bit. What's your bit? Your bit is when you have a problem, try to resolve it. Try your best to solve it. Yes, there will be some instances where you cannot. And divorce becomes permissible. And perhaps to separate also becomes permissible. But you don't have to become ugly about it. Remember that. You don't have to be ugly about it. Because spiritually and religiously, we all need help. My beloved brothers and sisters, my beloved brothers and sisters, in this beautiful city of Cape Town, in the same way we see the beauty in the Qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala around us, I promise you, beautify your hearts. Beautify your hearts. 
beautify your character, beautify your relationship with Allah, so that when people see you as a people, they will say, Cape Town is absolutely beautiful, but guess what? The people are more beautiful than the surroundings. <laughs> when that happens, we will have succeeded. Beautiful people. When you want to correct someone, do it in a lovely way. These are beloved people. These are people who will enter Jannah with you, inshallah. Don't have an attitude that I'm the only guy entering Jannah. That's it, you know. Don't have that attitude. Have an attitude that inshallah I will try and help as much as I can so that Allah's mercy can give me Jannah. None of us are going to enter Jannah based solely on our deeds. No, it's the mercy of Allah that will accept those deeds. And it's the mercy of Allah that will actually grant us entry into paradise. It's the mercy of Allah. All you've got to do is try. Do your best. Worship Allah alone. Make sure that you're trying every day to become closer and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So my brothers and sisters, my hour is up. But at the same time, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you all. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant goodness to this beautiful city of yours and the country. And at the same time, the ummah, there are so many who are suffering across the globe in so many different ways. Reach out to them through dua. Oh Allah, help those who are suffering across the globe in whatever way they are suffering. Say, Amin. Oh Allah, help those who are sick and ill, grant them cure. Oh Allah, those who've passed away, have mercy on them and grant sabr and patience to those whom they've left behind. Oh Allah, use us in the best possible way so that we live our lives such that the day we die, you are pleased with us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. Remember, think where you want to invest. <laughs> if you had a million rands, what would you do with it? You wouldn't just listen to the first person offering you something and telling you, I give you 5,000% return. Hey, that's good money, here's my money. That money is not coming back. There's nothing like 5,000% return. If there was, I would have been there before you. <laughs> You're going to think, I'm investing here, I'm investing there. Let me invest in such a way that it's secure and at the same time, I get the best possible return. That's what we do with our own money, don't we? You want to open a business, what do you do? You study, you make sure you did this, you did that. Wallahi, your time, your character, your deen, your religion works in a similar way. Invest it where it brings back the biggest return, the biggest possible return. And the beauty is you have so much to invest that it won't be depleted. Your character, your character is such that and your generosity is such that you can give it to everyone. Give them time of the day. Today I was speaking to some of the brothers and I'm going to share this with you and then I will end inshallah. And I was saying, sometimes it's difficult to meet so many people. I would love to give everyone time. I would really love to greet you in person, shake your hand and tell you, you know my brother, pray for me. Or at the same time I would say, how are you my brother, how's your family and so on. Or, you know... A little bit of a discussion with you. But because it is so difficult, I prefer to quietly run away than to insult people by giving them a half-hearted handshake. I don't know if you know what I mean. Imagine I saw you and I just, yeah, by the way, salam, 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 you know. And then suddenly I see an uncle that I know, salam, how are you? And all the others say, look at this, maybe this guy is getting money from him. <laughs> That's how people think today, don't they? So I'd rather run away because I don't want to be embarrassed. More than anything else, I don't want to disrespect you. I don't want to disrespect you. If I see you, I want to greet you properly. And I want to say, Salaamu Alaikum, smile. It's, an, it's for me an opportunity, free investment. And I'm getting returns more than 5,000%. I just got to smile at you. Hey, Salaam, my brother, how are you? Shake your hand. Don't give a half-hearted handshake. You know, people who just, yeah, by the way, Salaam. Come on. Don't waste an opportunity. It's like just throwing a note. Don't throw the note. I remember there was a beggar in Zimbabwe and I witnessed someone threw a note at him. You know what he did? He left it on the ground. He says, I don't need some. You don't throw money. Even if I'm in need, doesn't mean you throw it. You don't. You give. Money is a ni'mah. How can you throw a ni'mah? 
You give it with respect. Make sure that that happens. So the same applies when I'm shaking hands. It's more valuable than money. It is a sadaqah. Do you know that? You're shaking someone's hand and you're smiling in their face. You shake properly, smile. Hey, salam alaikum. Where I'm standing right now, I'm so fortunate, I can smile at all of you. All at once. There we are. What happens? It becomes a sadaqah. I'd rather do it properly. Or I'd rather just run away, make dua. You make dua for me. Find an excuse for me. Because I will definitely find an excuse for you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on every one of us. So this is what I was saying earlier. That to respect the people is more valuable for a Muslim than to offer them disrespect. I would never like to have disrespected anyone. And if I have, may Allah forgive me and may you forgive me too. May Allah bless us all. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Wa sallamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.